For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. This is Scott Reichel, and this is the Betting Barrier Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, the Bay Area's number one sports podcast network. The only place of the show for every team in the Bay Area and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're also available in your favorite directory, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. You can find me on Twitter at Rice Shell Radio. On this week's show, we're going to be talking about the Golden State Warriors and their upcoming matchups over the next week from a betting perspective. Before we actually do all that, we're going to have a quick word from our sponsor. The Betting Barrier Podcast presented by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines, including the latest player reports for this year's NBA playoffs. Bet Online is always your sports information headquarters this season, as we have you covered for all of your sports wagering needs basketball, MLB, NHL, UFC, and boxing. They have it all. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games that you can play right from your home. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Be sure to use the promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Welcome back, everyone, to the Better Mary Podcast. For one and break, we previewed what we're going to do for this week's show. Once again, talk about the Warriors and their upcoming games over the next week in the playoff series against the Kings. But before we get into any of that, do want to recap how we did last week. Overall, meh, because there are only two games to go through, basically split them. So in game one, we did like the Kings. We thought the Kings would get the job done in a must-win game at home, and we thought that the Kings with the atmosphere there would be pretty difficult to beat, and the Warriors gave them a very good effort, and it seemed like they were going to run away with that game at at various points, but the Kings battled, and they ended up winning the fourth quarter in route to a nice three-point win. You had Wiggins with an open look late who missed it, But at the end of the day, the Kings did a great job offensively. Fox took over the game. He had 38 points. Monk had a 30-piece as well. And they kind of carried the offense for Sacramento. Monk had 32 to be uh, specific. But the point is, the Kings did a great job in Game 1, and we weren't exactly surprised that that was the case. So we were right about Game 1 with the Kings. However, for Game 2, we were wrong. We thought Golden State would get the job done, and we thought they'd even up the series. And that did not happen. was a very close game. In fact, Golden State was down a decent amount, and then they made the comeback, but then everything went down the drain because Draymond got thrown out, and after that, Golden State's defense fell apart, Fox caught fire, and Golden State could not get a stop to save their lives once Draymond was out of the game. So I'm going to start off with the actual ejection, and then I'll get into his suspension for Game 3. But starting off with my thoughts on the incident, should Draymond have been ejected? Obviously. Duh. I think it's 100%. He's 100%. He should have been ejected. He stomped on a guy's chest. Like, I'm not going to make an argument. If you are disagreeing with that, that's your opinion. I disagree with you, just for the record. I think Draymond should 100% have been ejected from that game. Now, the question is should Sabonis have been ejected too? I don't think so. 
I think that Sabonis should have probably gotten a flagrant one instead of a technical, and I think Draymond getting a flagrant two was justified. That's how I would have graded it. Then again, you ended up seeing the Sabonis incident from a different angle, and Sabonis didn't look as dirty as he did from the regular TV angle. If you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. But there was an angle from behind the basket, and I think it was a local Kings feed, and it does seem like Sabonis was kind of trying to protect his face, and it just so happened Draymond's foot was there. Now, he still grabbed onto it, so it still should be a flagrant of some kind or a, or some type of fine or some type of punishment for him. But I don't think it was as dirty as people initially thought. The Draymond situation with what he did is just ridiculous. He just stomped on a guy's chest. And yes, you could argue if that happened to somebody else, maybe they get a warning and they end up not getting suspended for game three. But once again... This is not a random person. This is Draymond Green, who has had a history of being a relatively dirty player. Do I think he's a dirty player? Absolutely. I think he's 100% a dirty player, so I'm not surprised that when an incident happens with him in the playoffs with everybody watching, he gets punished or he gets the most strict form of punishment. Didn't help matters when after he gets ejected or in the middle of the review process, he's barking at fans and he's pumping up the opposing crowd. And it just seemed like there was a complete lack of self-awareness or even just remorse for what happened for Draymond. And even if you want to argue that Sabonis sold it a little bit with the acting on the ground, doesn't change the fact the action itself definitely was wrong. And Draymond not immediately showing concern for Sabonis and for him just talking trash to the fans and pumping up the crowd. It was, it wasn't the same situation as the whoop that trick game where Memphis was up 50 and Draymond's pumping up the opposing crowd for some reason, which I thought was still weird to this day. But Draymond likes to kind of get into it with opposing fans and he likes to try to view himself as the villain and that's kind of the role he plays in the league. But with that comes a bad reputation and I'm not surprised that it factored in to his suspension in game three. We see it in hockey all the time. You saw a bunch of guys who would end up getting suspended in playoff games because they had a history of dirty hits. First name I could think of in hockey, Rafi Torres. If you know what I'm talking about, then then you know what I mean. But Rafi Torres was a guy who constantly made dirty hits, really just on a regular basis. And you can make an argument that he got extra games for some of his hits based on previous transgressions. He did, which is completely fine, because if you've been warned and suspended and fined for dirty acts in the past and you keep doing them, then clearly the message isn't getting through to you. So you have to up the penalty. And I think that's what happened with Draymond here. Now, Draymond got suspended from an NBA Finals game for hitting LeBron in the nuts. We all know that that's what happened. And he hasn't worn nothing over the last 10 years, give or take. Not to mention the fact that, or not even just, there's really just a lot to unpack here. It's really just seven years because that was when the LeBron situation happened, but he also had some issues in college and he had an issue off the field where I think he punched a Michigan State fan. Not to mention the kicking to Steven Adams groin in that same year of 2016. The point is Draymond's had a lot of dirty plays and I'm not surprised that it was factored into the league's decision to suspend him for game three. But anyway... That's going to segue us into game three. Obviously, a must-win game for Golden State because no team has ever come back in the NBA from being down 3-0. But this game on Thursday, to go through the schedule, though, there are three hypothetical games here. You have a Thursday game, a Sunday game. Those two are guaranteed. And then you have a Wednesday game, which might not happen if Sacramento, in theory, wins both games in Golden State and then Sacramento sweeps. So we will assume 
that there will be at least one. There'll, there'll be a game five. We'll assume so. So we're going to go through three games on this card. So starting off with the Thursday game, Golden State is favored roughly six, and the over-under is 239. First things first, I understand why Golden State's favored despite missing Draymond. It's because of how good they were at home compared to how bad they were on the road this season. So people were expecting Golden State to look a lot sharper because that was the story of the regular season. Now, the problem with that is the fact that Golden State and everything they do defensively is based around Draymond Green. And you're looking at how many good defensive players they have, objectively speaking. Besides Draymond, you have Gary Payton, the second, who I think is a solid defensive player, but he's also questionable for this game. You have Wiggins, who's also questionable for this game. He's also only played two games in the last couple of months. So I am wondering if some potential fatigue with added playing time is going to play a factor or just chasing around the Kings guards into this up-tempo offense that goes at a very, very fast pace. Wiggins defensively might be a little bit more vulnerable than he would be normally had he been playing regularly for the last couple of months. But I think that Gary Payton II and Wiggins are good defenders. Besides that, is Looney a good defender? He's a good defender in the pu- in the paint. The problem is when he gets switched into pick and rolls and he has to guard Fox, it's a waste of time because Fox is getting a free shot near the rim. And we saw that in the final couple minutes of game two. So DiVincenzo, I think, is a pretty good defender. That's basically it, right? I mean, Jordan Poole can't guard anybody. You're looking at... Really just, is Curry a good defensive player? He tries. I don't think he's a great defensive player. He's okay, I guess. Clay is nowhere near the good defender he used to be. And I think that at this point, he's an average at best defensive player. And once again, you just keep your naming guys who can't really guard many many people. And I think Sacramento has so many weapons and they play so fast that Draymond not being in the lineup is a disaster, especially for this matchup. Because when you're switching every pick and roll and now suddenly you either don't play Looney and you give Kaminga minutes who can't guard anybody, or you try to figure out a new approach. But the point is, you don't have any options, especially with the type of offense that the Kings want to run. Maybe we'll see more zone defense from Golden State. I don't know. But Looney's a good rebounder, and when it comes to defense, he's good at stopping Sabonis. But in pick and rolls, he will get killed by either Monk or by Fox, and that's going to be a problem. So... I'm going to lean Sacramento here, plus the six. I think that Draymond is extremely valuable to this team. You can argue that even though we know Curry is the best player on this team, I do think Draymond, you make an argument, is one of the most valuable players, probably the second most valuable, maybe the first most valuable, if you want to actually talk about their uh, record without Draymond in the lineup. But the point is, you're looking at the... Just just the scheme that Golden State wants to run defensively, and Draymond's a big anchor of that. And Golden State without Draymond since the 2021-2022 season, Golden State is 22-23 and 23 straight up. So they're not exactly a good team without Draymond. And once again, that was back when the team was not, uh, I'd say, this vulnerable. It was when Golden State won the championship last year, for example. They were not good when Draymond was not on the court. But I do think that Sacramento with all the weapons they have, with Mike Brown being familiar with this roster and with him wanting his team to push the pace, I think Sacramento's a really bad matchup for Golden State, especially with Draymond being out of the lineup. So I know Golden State at home, great record. They seem to find ways to win. They might win this game. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not picking them to cover 
and win this game by seven plus. The Sacramento is not afraid, and most importantly, they smell blood in the water. They know that with Draymond being out, they can go up 3-0, and I do think they will put all of their chips on the table. We saw the Lakers last night, for example. They ended up stealing a road game in Game 1. Game 2, they basically no-showed the game. Seemed like nobody was interested. There was no sense of urgency. I think with this Draymond suspension, a golden opportunity to go up 3-0 fell into their laps, and as a result, I think that Sacramento will definitely not be overlooking, and I think they'll definitely put their best foot forward. I like Sacramento plus the points. I think they got a shot to win the game. Golden State does, does not really have much scoring depth. Wiggins has been good in this series, with the exception of a couple of really bad three-pointers in the corner in the fourth quarter. clay has been very good, and Steph's been very good. Poole can't play because he, he's so bad defensively, and he doesn't have a rhythm offensively. So Poole's been a lost cause in this series. But besides those two guys, I mean, besides him and... Uh, I mean, you're looking at what Golden State wants to do besides Curry and Clay and a little bit of Wiggins in there. I really don't like their offensive supporting cast, not to mention the fact that Draymond is their best facilitator, which might change some things up. But if Curry or Clay end up struggling, let's say that Curry and Clay end up combining for, let's say, 50 points. Let's go there. Let's say Curry goes for 28 or 30, and Clay goes for 20. Do you think this defense without Draymond can actually keep Sacramento below 115-120? I don't. I think Sacramento offensively is going to have a great game in game three, which is why I like the over, and it's why I like Sacramento. I can't lay six points with a team that needs its two superstars to play insanely well in order to win when they can't stop anybody on defense. And I do think that the Kings as a result are alive to win this game, I might pick them to actually win this game, but I am going to go with the Kings to play it safe plus the six. That spread does seem a bit high. And Golden State, if they do win, I think it'll be very close. So give me the Kings to get the job done plus six. And I will take the over. I know game two was low scoring. Very ugly first quarter. The game kind of picked up after that. But I think with the Draymond Green absence, Sacramento offensively should really be able to score 125 in this game. I don't like Golden State's defense, especially their defensive depth. And I think as a result, you'll see the Kings really do whatever they want to this defensive unit. And I do think at home, you see role players, it's kind of a general uh, saying in basketball, or at least a belief that role players play better at home. And I think you will see the role players step up. I think Wiggins has a good game. I think Gary Payton's in line for a huge game because he was very good in game two. And he definitely was solid on the glass. But with Draymond being out, I could really see him playing a bunch of minutes. But once again, him and Wiggins are allegedly questionable. I think they're going to play. But the point is, there are some question marks with Golden State's injury report. But for this game, give me the Kings and give me the over. I think you see the Kings score 120 plus, and I think this game gets into the 240s, maybe even the 250s. Now, moving on to game four, I'm assuming the spread will open up around six and a half or seven, uh, which is where it was located roughly right before Draymond's suspension was confirmed, and then the line dropped about two points or a point and a half. So for game four, I don't have a line or a total. I'm taking Golden State. I'm not picking the Warriors to get swept. I do think with Draymond back in the lineup, Golden State will be able to avoid elimination, and I do think they will be able to put together a good effort in front of the home crowd in a must-win game. It's a must-win game either way. I don't think Golden State can afford to go down 3-1 and travel back to Sacramento 
and guarantee a game seven in Sacramento. I don't see that happening. So I do think that this is going to be a must win game for Golden State, whether or not they win or lose game three, or I should say whether or not they win game three. So I think Golden State with Draymond back will play a lot better. I think they'll look sharper and I think they'll be able to bring it on both ends of the floor. Give me Golden State in game four. I'm assuming it's going to be minus six and a half, minus seven. If I'm off, I like them winning by probably 10. I think it'll be close, but I think Golden State will pull away. They'll go on some insane run there where Curry hits a bunch of shots or Clay hits a bunch of shots, and you'll see the supporting guys step up. So I like Golden State in game four. And as for the total, I'm going to lean to the under in game four. I actually think Golden State's better off slowing the pace in this series. It seems like when these teams get out and run, Sacramento's just better at it because they have the more athletic guys. Fox is a one-man fast break because of his speed. Monk is also kind of an underrated one-man fast break because of his ability to make layups in contact or dealing with contact and his ability to go to the foul line a ton. So I actually like Sacramento's odds of winning this game or really the other two games in the series if they are able to get out and run. And I think Golden State needs to slow the pace down and hope that their half-court defense can keep this game competitive. So I actually like the under in the game four. I'm leaning over in game three because Draymond's out, so Golden State's going to have to piece together some hodgepodge defensive scheme, which I think is not going to work against one of the most efficient offenses or one of the highest-rated offenses in the history of the league. So give me Sacramento in game uh, three and give me Golden State in game four. I will link to the under in game four, though. I think the defense shows up compared to what I'm expecting is going to be a no-show defensively in Game 3. And then for Game 5, they're traveling back to Sacramento. The question is, do I think Golden State can actually force a Game 6? I think it's going to be close, but I'm going to lean Sacramento. I think Sacramento wins this in 5. And the more I watch this series, the more of a talent differential I'm noticing when it comes down to rotation guys, which I alluded to before. Now you're assuming Curry will play well and Thompson will play well and Draymond defensively will probably play well, but I'm looking at the home crowd and how crazy it is with the beam and how everyone as just a Kings fan, the fact that they're in the plus the first time in roughly 20 years, you know, the crowd is going to be just bonkers for a potential series clinching game. And once again, I mentioned the overall talent disparity. I think that the Kings are the deeper team. Fox has really, I don't want to say gone blow for blow with Curry, but he's been up there. And you could argue that there's some bonus points, maybe in your personal grading system, that Fox has been able to dominate the fourth quarter of games. We know Monk is very good. Barnes had a good uh, run there in game two. I think he can keep it rolling. Sabonis is the question mark for Sacramento because he has really not been great in the series, and yet he was still impactful in game two where you thought he was awful or he had a really bad game, but his stats really weren't that bad. But I think at the end of the day, I will go with the Kings to win game five, and I will lean it to the under in that game as well. So once again, my picks for the episode and the three games this week are the three potentially scheduled games. I have the Kings covering the six, and I like the game going uh, over in game three. In game four, I like the Warriors and the under, And game five, I like the Kings and the under to close the series out at home. That's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Benamaria podcast. I'll be back once again next week. And until then, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. 
with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.